Well, take your Bible, will you please, church, and turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 2. We're reading verses 13 to 17 today. And uh, one of my responsibilities as a pastor is to give the church the full counsel of God. So I'm not a revival speaker. I'm not an evangelist, although I have a touch of that calling. I don't go around a certain circuit and give a certain message, or I don't preach the same message over and over again. We're preaching through the Word of God, right? We're going verse by verse. So in doing so, as your pastor, I'm giving you the full counsel of God. Now, this message today is, I have to say, it was a little bit of a challenge to put together. I think maybe seven, eight, nine years ago, when the church was, uh, was, was full with several, many different types of people in the church, uh, a message like this would be maybe appropriate. Because at that time, we had several people that were in and out of the court system. Hello? Did I just get your attention? We're talking about government today. A Christian's response to government. Anyway, stand with me, if you would. And uh, take a deep breath as we get into this this morning. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse number 13. We're continuing where we left off two weeks ago. Therefore, Peter says, verse 13, Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether to the king as supreme or to governors as to those who are sent by him for punishment of evildoers and for the praise of those who do good. For this is the will of God. That by doing good, you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men as free, yet not using liberty as a cloak for vice, but as bondservants of God. Honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, and honor the king. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we're primed and ready to hear your word. Lord, let, let me, help, help me to present the full counsel of your word today, this aspect of our Christian responsibilities. Anoint this message by your spirit. Let it be received, heard, applied as you want. And uh, Lord, be glorified and edified as we preach your word today. Bless those on the live stream as well. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. A Christian's response to government. I've entitled the message, Submitted. And uh, as we finish and as we conclude, we're going to talk about four areas where we are to be submitted uh, as Christian people. But let me start out by saying government is not a bad word. <laughs> uh, I realize it could be a divisive sermon, if not rightly divided. But I think with the help of the Holy Spirit today, uh, we can give you good food for your soul this morning. Uh, Peter has already established that Christians are a unique people. If you remember the previous sermons, uh, we're separated unto God. We're called out to be holy and set apart. We're sojourners. We're just simply passing through this life. Our real citizenship is in heaven. Although, as I heard uh, in some of the commentaries I was reading, there could be a case based on this message that we have dual citizenship. We have a place in glory, but right now we're, we're here. I have a friend, Tony. Tony, if you're online today, God bless you. But Tony has dual citizenship, one in here in the States and one in Italy. But we have dual citizenship in a way, in glory, and yet we're still living here. But here, we're traveling lightly. We're called to respect God, to live for God. Because God is worth it. We must see the Lord 
for who he is. I just want to set this, the, the foundation for what I'm about to say, but he's our redeemer. He's our deliverer. He's our healer and the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. Let me ask you a question today, church. How big is God in your life right now? How big, how important is God for you today? I can't give you a sermon this morning that'll, make, that'll tickle your ears or make you feel good. But you and I must see God for who he really, really is. And when we see him for who he really, really is, everything else in life falls into place. Jesus said in Matthew 6, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these other things will be added to you. I want to encourage you to live a life surrendered to the Lord, submitted to the Lord, bowed down to the Lord. Is Jesus number one in your life? Let me say this. He must be. He has to be. He should be. And if he is, everything else in the word of God that we hear and we, we wonder about will fall into place. So this is all based upon what Peter said in the chapters one and two so far, that we have an obligation to represent God on the earth. That's an awesome responsibility. Now, verses 13 through 17, what we just read, is not only designed for the United States of America. It's, it's a worldwide, has worldwide appeal. It's for Canada, Mexico, Latin America, South America, Europe, all the African nations, the Middle East even, the Far East, where there's democracies or where there's dictatorships. The word of God is still the word of God. In fact, when Peter wrote this, the Roman Empire was just a crazy place. It was corrupt. It was violent. It was mean. Shortly after this, or right during this time, they started to kill Christian people. And Peter is still saying to honor those that are ruling over you. I find it very interesting. But he's, 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 he's repeating something that has a biblical precedent. So let me, let me not president, precedent. Let me, let me remind you of some things. That in Genesis 1.28, when everything was created, it was very good, everything was good. But in verse one of Genesis 1.28, the Lord said to Adam and Eve, subdue everything. Have dominion over everything. What he was saying was, have some authority over everything. Put some order to it. Put some logic behind this and make this function properly, as in a sense of a government. In Jeremiah 29, in verse 7, uh, to the uh, captive Israel in Babylon, the Lord said to the captive, seek the peace of the city that I send you to. Seek the peace of the city that I'm sending you to in captivity. Don't pray that I destroy it. Pray that I bring peace to it. Pray for the peace of the people that, are, that have captured you. Because when there's peace there, you'll have peace in your own heart. 1 Timothy 2, Paul says, pray for all rulers. Pray for all, in, all the governing authorities, civic leaders, that you will be able to live a quiet and peaceful life. I think in Mark chapter 12, Jesus really sets a great example. There were two uh, opposing uh, Jewish leaders. One was the, uh, the Pharisees. The other was the, uh, the Herodians. And they were, they, didn't, they were opposed to each other. But they both came to Jesus and they said, Jesus, is it proper for us to pay taxes to Caesar? 
And if Jesus said no, you know, the Roman government would have come down on him. If he said yes, the people would have, been, would have come down on him. So Jesus very wisely said, well, give to Caesar what's Caesar's and give to God what's God's. Great answer. Great answer. So we need to honor, respect, and, and abide by the laws of our land. Now, uh, Paul says in Romans 13, we'll read this later, but he says, let every person be subject to the governing authorities because all authority comes from God. It has been instituted by God. So we Christians are called to obey and respect the laws of the land. This would go over great at Teen Challenge or in a prison. In fact, uh, somewhere in my notes, I have this little comment that, you know what, the Lord has used the court system to change many hearts for him. And they're not even godly, but they're appointed by God. Think about that. God could use the courts and the prison system even to break a person's spirit and cause them to look heavenly instead of worldly. So, so we're called to obey the law. However, there's a little caveat. If the laws of the land are opposed to God's law, guess what? God's law trumps man's law. Let me give you two examples. Amen? When, when Peter was, Peter, St. Peter, was preaching in Acts chapter 5, the council forbade him to preach anymore. The name of Jesus, stop sharing this gospel. And Peter said, I, I ought to obey God rather than men. And he kept on preaching. In Daniel chapter 6, when King Darius made a decree, for 30 days, no one could pray to any other God, only they could pray to me. And what did Daniel do? He went up to his upper room and opened up the window and started praising God three times a day like he always did. He disobeyed because God's law is higher than that law. So in verse number 15, real quickly, 2 Peter 2, 15. This is the will of God. See, see, doing good, doing good. In other words, obeying, fitting into a degree of the laws of the land. It, it's a good, a good witness for you because it will silence the ignorance of foolish men. I love that part. Because foolish men would criticize the Christians because they don't know what they're doing and they're this and they're that. But no, you live a godly, law-abiding life your life and your lifestyle will close their mouth. They would have nothing to say about you. I tried to live that way all, all my Christian life, as a matter of fact. But we see, uh, we see here, verse number 15 kind of is correlated with verse number 12. But I see a little, a little thing here. So, so bear with me. In verses 11 and 12, we have a similar, uh, a similar you know, thought but in verses 11 and 12, if you remember two weeks ago, uh, Peter is saying, look, uh, beloved, I beg you as sojourners washed by the blood, you know, uh, coming out of darkness and living in the light, abstain from fleshly lust. And when you do that, people will not be able to criticize you or come against you, but your example will win hearts to the Lord. So I see something in verses 11 and 12, which is a high moral goal for us. It's higher than the law of the land. The law of the land is important. But the moral law is even more important than the civil law. 
So he's saying in verse number 11 and 12, let your, let your holiness be spiritual. Live out your life in obedience and submission to God. I like that. And verses 13 through 17, he's saying, let your earthly holiness be in obedience and, and subject to the government in which you live, unless it violates the moral principle. Let me just mention a few things here. All things legal are not morally proper for us to do. See, just because something's legal doesn't mean we have to do it. I used to say to people, you know, among other things, marijuana is against the law. I can't even say that anymore. But it's against a higher law where it says be sober, be clear-minded, etc., so whether it's alcohol, that, that is legal. There was a time it wasn't legal, but it's legal. Is it moral to drink alcohol? Is it moral to get high on drugs or legal drugs? What about abortion? It's legal. Is it moral to do? What about assisted suicide? In some cases, it's legal to do that, but is it the moral thing to do? Just because it's legal doesn't mean we should do it. We have a higher standard. I'm afraid that some Christians in the Western world, in America, say, have taken the literal law of the land and let that become the law that they abide by in morality. <clears throat> but I don't see a lot of morality in the civil law. I, I'm thankful for the laws we have. I mean, I really am. I mean, for instance, if, if you're barreling down the highway doing 85, you're probably going to get a ticket or an accident. But, you know, thank the Lord there's laws in place to keep us in place, so to speak. I'm really thankful that there's a red light over here so I can get out of this parking lot every morning when I try to go that way. I have to wait for 10 minutes for the traffic to slow down. But without a red light, I'd be up the creek. So I'm thankful for the laws. But, but there, there is a higher moral law that we must abide by. So let's, let's go through this. Are you with me, everybody? Yeah. Government's not a bad word. It's a good thing. So let, let's go through this verse by verse. I'm going to talk about four different aspects of being submitted. Verse number 13, therefore, again, therefore, as sojourners, as washed in the blood, as, as saved people, you know, redeemed, not by silver or gold, but by the precious blood of Jesus, you've been called out of darkness to walk in the light. You know, you're born again. You have a living hope in you. You're a royal priesthood. You're a holy nation. All the things that you are, that we are in Christ. Because of all of that, he says, submit yourself to every ordinance of man. For the Lord's sake. That's a very important phrase or, or passage right there. We're doing this for God's sake. The question is, do we love God that much? To obey all the laws of the land? I don't know where to go with all that. I don't know where, to, where, where everyone is with all this. But wherever you are, I mean, you know, stealing something at work could apply. No one's going to know, but God will know. You know, I don't know. I, I always go back to driving because I have issues with driving in Massachusetts. But whatever, whatever your situation is. Obviously. <laughs> Obviously. Uh, so... But, you know, we're, we're doing this for God's sake. I mean, if I ever get pulled over, not that I have it, but if I ever get pulled over again, I, I'd be, I, I wish I could say, but officer, I really wasn't speeding. 
and let him look at it and say, you're right, you really weren't speeding. I would like, I'd like that confirmation. All right. Let's move on from <laughs> So this, this is for the Lord's sake. No, there would be law-abiding for God's sake. Well, you'll be better off, too. We won't have a new prison ministry in that case. You know, sometimes some of our brothers or sisters go to, go to jail for a little while, and we have a new prison ministry. But that's not the best way to have a prison ministry. But if we have to, we will. So he says, you know, this is... This is uh, uh, this is for the Lord's sake, whether it's for kings, governors, people that, you know, represent the leaders as they, as they uh, conduct the, their civil responsibilities, punishing evil and praising those that do good. I already mentioned about, about how prison has actually straightened out a lot of people or probation or some type of run-in with the law. The Lord will use that to stop some people dead in their tracks. So, uh, verse 15, this is God's will, that by doing good, obeying the law, you know, living that way, you'll put to silence the ignorance of foolish men, uh, as, as free, you know, but yet not using our liberty as a cloak for vice. Romans 6 says the same thing. What, what should we say? Shall we sin more that grace may abound? No, he says, no, don't do that. How can you who died to sin live any longer in sin? In the same way, Peter's saying here, you're free, but you don't use your liberty for sinfulness or rebelling against the government or whatever. But you use it as bondservants of God. Again, Peter is talking about the Roman Empire that, that was just rooted in corruption. But he's saying, do good in that oppressive environment and silence evil people. And, uh, and use your freedom in Christ to obey the law of the land, not to rebel. But let me put it this way. We use our influence for good, if possible, for change, if possible. You know, Paul was arrested. He was taken up to Rome to, to stand before Festus and King Agrippa. He went through the whole process as an honorable Christ-believing person. He presented himself well. Today, we have democratic, uh, we're a democratic nations, nation. We have a means to protest, to legally boycott or demonstrate or petition lawmakers and so forth, uh, but not sin, not to cause a, an insurrection. But you know what? Throughout history of our country, anyway, uh, we can say that Christians have played a very important role in changing laws. If you think about it, uh, the abolition of slavery was, was spearheaded by Christian people. The child labor laws were spearheaded by Christian people. Women's rights, same thing. Civil rights, same thing. Human trafficking, same thing. It's the church that has a voice in our democratic nation to make a difference. So I, I would say, verse number 16, as bondservants of God, I'm not saying everyone has this calling to do, but... Man, I, I, I respect Focus on the Family, Massachusetts Family Institute, other ministries like that, that they're on the front lines of, 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 uh, of observing and notifying the church what laws are coming down the pike, what's going on in government, and trying to make a stand for Christ. I applaud them. I think it's great that they're doing that. Now, not everyone has that calling to do it. Uh, I, I share this story. You may have heard me say this, but many years ago, I was involved in a prison ministry in Westchester County, New York. And as we were leaving that ministry, 
there must have been 50 or 100, I don't know, a lot of people were getting arrested. They were getting booked at this, uh, at this county jail that, where we were. And I said to the person, I said, what did, what did all these people do? And they said, oh, they were picketing the abortion clinic down in White Plains, I think it was. And they're all getting arrested. And I was just walking out of the place. I, 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 they were my brothers and sisters. But I felt like, man, should I be there too? But then I thought, well, that's not my calling right now. I want to get home and get ready for church the next day. But that was their calling to do that. So whatever your calling is, do it with all your heart. Not that I wouldn't boycott. I mean, I stood on the street corner many times holding up signs uh, against abortion and so forth. But I'm just saying we need to find our calling. So in verse number, verse number uh, 17, uh, gee, what a, what, a, what a verse this is. Honor all people, he says. Honor all people. As a man or woman of God, honor everyone. In the context of what he's saying here, at that time, what I read was there were 60 million people that were slaves in the Roman Empire. That's a lot of people that are slaves. And many of them were coming to the churches, getting saved and so forth. And Peter's saying, honor everybody. Slaves, free, rich, poor, healthy, sick, whatever. Young, old, honor people. As a man or woman of God, honor people. It's your Christian responsibility. And note in that culture too, as a matter of fact, come to think of it. Some of the people may have been legally less than. And Peter's saying, no, everyone is equal. Honor everyone because everyone is made in the image of God. He says, uh, he says, uh, love the brotherhood. As in John 13, Jesus gave a new commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. All the world will know you're my disciples by your love for one another. He says to fear God. It's our, our responsibility to fear God. I think, you know, social media, as good as it is in many ways, I think for many of us, it, is, it has worn us down and, and taken away the veil, the protective shield that we may have had before against seeing things or hearing things or being aware of things that are ungodly. I'm constantly fighting that. I see stuff that comes across my, my page or whatever, and man, I don't want to see that. I, I don't want to be there. In many ways, I want to get off of social media, but I feel like it's important to be on there. But, but um, you know, we have to... Uh, where am I with this? Love the body of Christ. <laughs> I love the body of Christ. And respect, honor everybody. It says to fear God. First and foremost, fear God. Proverbs 1.7 says, The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. Amen. It says to honor the king. Honor the king. Wow. Well, in our case, that would be the president, the U.S. Constitution, our government, officials, and laws. Romans 13, 1 says, all authority that exists has been appointed by God. I remember reading that and studying that some years ago. Because my first question is, what about evil governments? What about World War II and all of that? What about right now in some countries? It's corrupt. It's evil. But when you really get into the scripture, God is allowing all of that to take place. Because there's something else coming down after that. And if that didn't happen that way, then this wouldn't happen this way. But the Lord is setting up everything worldwide. I keep going back to Ukraine and Russia. Why is that going on like that? It's terrible what's going on. 
and there's, there's just opposition and people are bickering about what, what, what we should do. But you know, in the bigger scheme of things, in the prophetic way, that Russia could easily take that and make that a clear passageway down to Israel to set up the events of the last days. It could very well happen. It could happen with China and Taiwan and the problems they're having over there and with North Korea. Everything seems to be lining up in such a way that something else is going to happen. So we can't be too quick to say God didn't appoint that wicked regime when actually he did. He does things like that to set up the next thing that he's going to do. With, with, with what's happening in Israel right now and all of all the, the deaths involved, it's a terrible, terrible situation. But when you go back and read the Old Testament scriptures, you read about all the deaths there were back then. It's not beyond the realm of God to allow this to happen because he has another plan in place that's going to happen contingent upon what's happening now. So it's all going to work together. All right, so I, I read this passage and during the week, and especially yesterday, I was really thinking, Lord, how am I going to preach on this message? What can I say about it other than obey the law? You know, it's our responsibility to obey the law. But, but the word submitted kept coming into my spirit. So I want to give you four aspects of being submitted. Okay, can we do that? This won't take too long. The first aspect of being submitted is we must be submitted to God. And you know what? Most people won't even know if you are or not because you could fake it. But God will know if you're submitted to God. Look over in 1 Peter chapter 5 real quick. 1 Peter 5 and verse number 6. Do you have your Bible with you today? How many have your Bible and not an app? Bibles? Bibles? Apps? Well, about 50-50. <laughs> 1 Peter 5, 6. Listen to what Peter says. Humble yourselves or submit yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. Listen, talk about being submitted. We've got to be submitted to God Almighty. Is God that important to you? Is God that important in your life and in your heart? Are you submitted to God in what you look at on Facebook or social media? Is God, are you submitted to God in what you watch on TV or what movies you go watch to see? Are you submitted to God in your choice of values and friends and where you go and what you do? See, everything has to come under our submission to God. My story may be like your story. It took me a couple of times in my life to totally submit to God. It took me probably about four years to totally submit to God. And every time I had an encounter with God, I'd submit a little bit, a little bit more, a little bit more. But every time I didn't give the whole thing, my life got progressively worse. If we don't get humble before God, he loves us so much to make us get humble before God. That's my story. He humbled me in my life many years ago with things that happened in my life, in my, uh, as a representative of my family. Things happened as a young man. I was humbled. I was broken before God, and I was even broken before the government. But God used all those things to get my undivided attention. I, sooner, I, I, I realized sooner or later, I cannot function in this life without God being the most important thing in my life. Now, now look, like a lot of people, you know, you would think 
that everyone in your life would be rejoicing that you put God first in your life. But many people said, man, you're going overboard. You're getting fanatical. You know what? Yeah, I am getting fanatical. Absolutely. I'm sold out. I can't live without God. I don't know about anybody else. I cannot function without God. And that's the place where we have to get. I'm telling you. Was it Wednesday night or Sunday night? We were talking about on the live stream, talking about the value of prayer. What does prayer do? You know, among other things, prayer is a sign of humility. It's a sign of being submitted to God. Who wants to wake up early and stumble into a room somewhere and kneel down or sit down and just cry out to God? Only someone that's desperate for God. But in doing so, we're telling God, I am humble before you. I need you today. I thank you for yesterday, but I need you today, Lord. I need your presence. I need your touch. I need you to make your word speak to my heart today, Lord. Yesterday was good. I'm thankful for that. But Lord, I need you today. I'm submitted today. I'm humbling humbling myself and talking to you today because I know I need you. Amen. James 4, 7 says, submit to God. Guess, oh, this is so good. Submit to God, and guess what will happen? Resist the devil. Submit to God, resist the devil, and the devil will flee from you. Can I get an amen right there? There is an enemy. There is an enemy. His name is Satan. He has demons. He has fallen angels that follow him. And they would do anything to confuse us, rattle us, make us worry too much or whatever, make us feel lousy and down in the dumps and not a very goodness, a good witness for the Lord. But if we submit to God, if we resist the devil, the word of God says the devil will flee from us. I want that verse. I want that verse active in my life. Hebrews 4.13 talks about coming to God as, as to the one to whom we must give an account. Oh, there's something about being submitted to God. We better start now before we have to be submitted to God and give an account for our lives. Let's submit to God now in every aspect of our lives. Here's another area of submission. Submit to one another. It says in Ephesians 5.21, It says, submit to one another in the fear of God. This is a powerful scripture. I liked what uh, I shared on Wednesday night on the live stream. If you were on, I had a little video clip of my friend, Dr. Michael Caparelli, that was talking about Valentine's Day. And he was addressing people that didn't have a Valentine. He was addressing people that were maybe alone. And he was saying so eloquently, that we are not designed to be alone. We're designed to walk through this life with people, with one another, with the body of Christ. So the scripture says, submit to one another in the fear of God. Let me put it this way. We need each other. We need friends. We need fellowship. We need to yield to one another. We need to let somebody else shine for a change. We don't always have to get all the attention. Let somebody else have the preeminence sometime. Love one another. Respect each other. Honor each other. Learn to agree to disagree if necessary. Be considerate. Be patient. Be graceful. Extend mercy to other people as God has extended mercy to you. 
So when we submit to one another, we give someone else in the body of Christ place in our lives. We're not better than anybody. Can I get an amen? amen. If you start thinking that way, you're going to fail. You're, you're already failed. We're all equally sinners, equally redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. And may we never say, I'm better than so-and-so. What, really? I don't think so. But when we submit to one another, we're yielding to, we're seeing value in one another. And that, now this, talk about something that could change your life. You start to see people differently. How about elderly people? How about youth? How about somebody coming here all, all tatted up and pierced or whatever? How about that? How about someone in a wheelchair? Whatever. But we're to yield and, and give other people place in our life. We submit to them. We surrender to them. Uh, 1, 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter. We always read it at weddings. Not designed for weddings, but it does fit for a wedding. But, but it, affects, it fits for this too. How to love one another. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not hateful or prideful or rude. It bears all things, believes all things. It hopes all things. Love never fails. We are called to submit to one another and to love each other. I encourage you to do that. Here's the third aspect of submission. If you're married, you're going to really love this one. If you're not married, this is something to keep in mind for the, your future. We, we are called to submit to our spouses. Somebody give me an amen. amen. I'll tell you what, we've been married a long time, my dear Pamela and I. We could tell you a few things about marriage <laughs> and about submitting to God and submitting to one another. When you submit to one another, guess what? The marriage works. When you hold on to something, it's going to be a rough day or a rough night or a rough week. But when you surrender, you yield to each other, God blesses that because that's the word of God. We won't turn to it, but the scripture's on the screen. Ephesians 5.21, which we just looked at. I mean, I'm fortunate I was being biblical without even knowing it. But when we got married, I married my sister in Christ. In fact, I found out later, if she wasn't, or if I wasn't, we should have never married each other. You should only marry a brother or sister in Christ. That would eliminate a lot of problems right from the get-go. You see what I'm saying? But, but as, a, as a wife or a husband, we marry brothers and sisters. So as that, we're submitted to each other as Christian people. Secondly... Listen to this, ladies. It says, wives, submit to your husbands. I, I Get mad at God. But that's what it says. <laughs> wives, submit to your husbands. Now, it doesn't mean you're less than. It means you have a different calling than your husband does. My, Pamela is so gifted in so many areas. She makes me look better all the time. She is gifted in so many ways. And I appreciate that. But it does say wives submit to your husbands. But husbands, guess what it says about you? Man, when I read this, I said, man, I don't know. Maybe, maybe uh, Paul made a mistake here. But husbands, what he's saying is, in verse 25, submit to your wives in such a way that you love them the way Jesus loved the church. I thought about that. How, how did Jesus love the church? He died for the church. Sacrificially, willingly, totally, you know, compassionately. 
He gave himself for his church. So everyone gets hung up on wives submit to your husbands. No one gets, no one really thinks about husbands love your wife the way Jesus loved the church. Well, if that were the case, any woman, any wife would submit to that type of authority because they're both submitted to each other. That's all it is. But that's the word of God. And you wonder why, why are marriages falling apart all over the place? Probably because this is not adhered to. So we're called by the word of God, by the Holy Spirit. Husbands and wives, submit to each other. And find your proper role within the marriage relationship and, uh, and live it out for the Lord. Amen. Amen. All right, now we're going we're gonna to close with this one. The last area is to submit to local, or submit to governing authorities. Uh, why don't we, we could go here, we have a minute. Romans 13, well, I'm just going to read, I'm going to read from the New King James, but uh, this is probably worthwhile to do right here instead of me trying to paraphrase it. But Romans 13, starting at verse number one, and remember the context in which this is written. Roman government, corrupt, crazy, ungodly, getting ready for persecution. You know, not like our government. I mean, our, we live in a pretty good nation, come to think of it. But Paul writes here, Peter and Paul were writing the same thing just at different times. Romans 13, 1, let every soul be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God. And the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Yeah, even Nero, even the corruption in the Roman government, Paul's saying, yeah, even that. Therefore, whoever resists the authority, resists the, the ordinance of God. And those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. Do you want to be, uh, do you want to be unafraid of the authority? Do what's good, and you will have praise from the same. That, that would apply today. You want to get along with your government? Obey the law. <laughs> For he is God's minister. I, 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 I'm challenged by that. But the governor, the leader, the ruler, the king is God's minister. I thought ministers were people like, like me or people that have some type of prestige in the community. I'm a minister of God. No, God appoints ministers all the time. But in this case, he's using ungodly people to be his ministers to execute judgment uh, over the land. Again, think of a, a legal system when you go to court standing before a judge that may or may not be a Christian. Being a Christian is not even a factor. But you have to stand before the judge who's executing judgment over you for whatever you did wrong. He's God's minister to you for good. But if you do evil, be afraid. For he does not bear the sword in vain. Uh-oh. He is God's minister, an avenger to execute wrath on him who practices evil. Therefore, you must be subject not only because of wrath but also for conscience sake. In other words, also because it's only, it's only something, it should be something in your spirit that you're discerning right from wrong. For because of this, you also pay taxes. As in April 15th is coming. They're God's ministers attending continually to this very thing. Render their, this is a paraphrase of what Jesus said. Render therefore their due taxes to whom taxes are due, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. And I would just close it by saying, except if the law violates the moral law of God. Acts 5, 
Like, for instance, if, if someone made a decree in Haverhill, you can't preach the gospel anymore. I think I'm going to preach the gospel. You can't say certain things, which is happening in Canada, by the way. If you say certain things in Canada, you could be arrested from the pulpit because it's called hate speech. If that happens here, we may have a prison ministry. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Seuss, what do you think? Think that'll work? We'll start a prison ministry. <laughs> Daniel 6, you know, nobody can pray, only pray to King Darius. Okay. Hallelujah, Lord God, Jehovah, I praise you. And through that was, you know, we had a series of events, but he obeyed God's law rather than the law of man. All right, why don't we stand together? Let me, let me close by this, by this question. Are you submitted in the proper areas? We talked about the big one being submitted to God, submitted to one another, submitted to our spouse, and then submitted to our government. Every head bowed for just a moment. We'll say that verse in a second. Is anyone not submitted to God and you want to be right now? Raise your hand if that's you. I need to be submitted to God. All right? Is anyone not submitted to other Christian people what you want to be? Well, somebody respond to me. (laughs) Does anyone want to get submitted? Oh, we're doing good. How about this? If you have a spouse and all you do is bicker and argue and try to exercise your authority and your control, you realize I have, to, I have to learn to submit to my spouse. It's biblical. Anyone like that in your marriage? Come on now, be brave. Boy, we have a really great church here. Everybody's submitted. Hallelujah. Oh, yeah, okay, go. Oh, sorry, I missed that one. How, how about government? How about government? Oh, good. I, yeah. I think you were hiding behind the pole when I no. Hey, this is, a, this is the word for today. Submit. Start with God. Let it continue to the body of Christ. Let it continue to your home. Let it be played out in your government. Amen. So what does that scripture say up there? 1 Peter 2, 17, honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, and honor the king. Let's say it again. Honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, and honor the king. Gloria, is today your last Sunday? Is, Is this your last Sunday? Would you come up here? We could pray for you. Gloria let me know over the weekend uh, she'll be going to Florida for an extended period of time. So we'll just get right here in the middle and look at everybody. You can turn around. Everybody, come on. Let's gather around Gloria. Everybody, everyone's invited to come. Come on. Come on. Gloria, we love you. We appreciate you. Gloria's been a long 
longtime member of this church. Many, many, she goes back to Pastor Brazil days. And she could tell some stories about that ministry. Positive, powerful uh, stories. Gloria served with her husband Stan. Stan went to go home to be with the Lord a few years ago now, when COVID first hit, actually. Father, we lift up Gloria before you today. We thank you for her, for her family, for her legacy at this church, her legacy with her family. Lord, let her be, uh, let her be safe in her travels to Florida. Let her have a good time there. Let it be a good move. Let her find good, sweet fellowship there, a good church to go to. Uh, bless her family. Take care of her home here in New Hampshire while she's away. Let family members, uh, you know, take care of things the way they should. And uh, Lord, when it's time, bring Gloria back up north again. We just pray traveling mercies, blessing in every aspect, financially, relationally, health-wise. Let her be healthy and strong. Let her continue to carry the torch of faith in this new phase of her life. We thank you. We praise you for it now. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. And amen. Praise the Lord. All right, you could greet Gloria and have a cup of coffee. God bless you.